0: Well, good morning, Core Church. My name is Eric. For those of you who are new, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really excited to be speaking uh, this morning. But I've got to be honest, this looks a lot different than I thought that it was going to look. I'm with you this morning in isolation. And uh, this last week, my three boys and I, we went to get our hair cut at the Indian Springs Barbershop in South Broken Arrow. And if you've never been to this barbershop, it is the coolest place on the planet to get your hair cut. When you walk in. There is sports memorabilia that decorates the place. It's hanging from the wall. It's hanging from the ceiling. And there is antique haircutting equipment that decorates the place. And Witt and his father who run the place are just the coolest guys, and we love them and their families. And if you've ever wondered why Tim, our bass player, why Pastor Brad and why myself always look so fresh and clean in our haircuts, is because we all three get our haircut at this barbershop. It's just the coolest place. Uh, but this last week, uh, Witt had to call me and let me know that uh, because of exposure from some that he ended up testing positive for COVID-19 and so he is isolating and my family and I are isolating until we kind of get the all clear and so while this does look a lot different than I thought that it would I am very excited to be speaking this morning when I was talking to Witt the other day he w- he reminded me of something that he was reminded of and I think it's good for all of us to hear again because he and his father and their business had put so many measures in place to keep themselves and their customers safe and there was still exposure to this virus and he was said how important it was that he was reminded of to continue to do what he needs to do to keep himself and other people safe. I think that's a good reminder for all of us, as well as praying and supporting the owners of local businesses in our community, like Wit and his father and their business. It's a small local business in our community, which has been hit hard like all the others during this season of this pandemic. And so I hope and pray that you will join me in praying for Wit and for his father and for their family, their business, and supporting the other local businesses in our community. Core Church, we are finishing off our series called Endurance Test by talking about what it means to endure in love. We've been using a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, that's kind of helped guide this entire series. Verse 13 says this, Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The first week we talked about faith and Pastor Brad asked us a very challenging question. He asked us this, Do you see Christ in your crisis? So when it comes to the challenges that we experience in our life, is that all we see is the challenge or in the middle of it, do we see Christ in that crisis that was such a great question for us to think through and for us to ask ourselves. and last week we heard from our good friend uh, Blaine Bartell as he talked about hope and one thing that he said was that the hope of God will always come to the hopeless and he said that hope starts with taking a next step so how have you taken a next step this week forward how have you taken a step forward in hope what does that look like for you, And as you think about that, I want you to get your Bibles out, whether that is a paper Bible, like I've got, or a Bible on your mobile device, which if you don't have that already, I would encourage you to download YouVersion. I think that'll be really helpful for you. You can follow along in the translation that I read out of. Uh, I read out of the New Living Translation, and we are going to be in 1 John chapter 4, which is a letter that was written by the Apostle John in the New Testament. And I'm going to start at verse 7, and it says this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Jump down to verse 16. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Core Church, today we're going to talk about what it means to endure in love. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time that we have to open your word, to learn from it, to apply it to our life, and I pray that as we continue to look at this scripture, that you just speak to us. And I want to say only what you want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. And ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Core Church, there's a few things that you need to know about me if you don't already know this. The first thing is I love Switchfoot. They're the best rock band on the planet. I've been following them ever since I was a kid. I would sneak into my older brother's room and listen to their first album that came out on a cassette. I would listen to it on his Walkman if you remember what those are. So if you don't know who Switchfoot is, the first thing, I will pray for your salvation. The second thing is... (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, kind of. The second thing is... This afternoon, that's your homework. Get on YouTube, type in Switchfoot, watch any of their videos. They're all good, and they just get better with time. I love Switchfoot. Second thing is, I love street tacos. And I'm talking about the ones with the soft corn tortilla with carnitas and onions, cilantro with lime wedges that you can squirt over top. Those are just to die for. So I love street tacos. And the last thing you need to know about me, at least for right now, is I love my wife. She is my best friend and my absolute favorite person on this Planet. And what's really cool is her name is Sybil, which begins with an S. So we've got Switchfoot, Street Tacos, and Sybil, which is three S's. That is a Grand Slam home run right there. How about that? Here's what's interesting about the word love and the phrase, I love blank, is we can assign it to a lot of different things like I've just done. We can say, like, we love our sports teams. We love our favorite coffee shops. We love social media. And when it comes to social media, Instagram is really interesting because Instagram doesn't give you the option to like anything. It gives you the option to heart things, which the heart is a symbol and image That's been used for love for, I mean, as far as I can, as long as I can remember. And I I remember seeing it uh, slapped on a t-shirt that said, I heart New York. Maybe you've seen that. They put it on t-shirts, greeting cards. I mean, it is everywhere. And they kind of just slap it on there and we can kind of say it like it's nothing. But here's the thing. That's not the kind of love that we're talking about this morning. The I love Switchfoot kind of love is not what we're talking about. Why? Because that is a conditional kind of love. Kind of like me saying, I love the thunder but not since they've traded Adams. And as I say that for some of you, that, that is still, it still kind of hurts, it's still kind of fresh, but that's not the kind of love that we're talking about because that kind of love is conditional. Parents, let me help you out with your teenagers. Maybe you had this conversation with them or maybe you are going to have this conversation with them. That's me. I have a kid who's going to be in middle school next year, so I'm preparing for this conversation. Maybe they've come home and they've said that they're completely smitten with somebody. Maybe that they've even just met that day and they say, when they're going to get married, how many kids they're going to have, and they end by telling you, I love this person. And as a parent, it's so important how we respond because we can want to respond and say, whoa, slow down. You're in, you're in seventh grade for crying out loud. You, you don't know what love is. You don't love them. You don't know what love is, is how we can how we can respond to our kids. And I think we need to not say that because as far as they're concerned, they do love that person. Well, it's not the kind of love that I have for my spouse. It is a form of love. And the kind of love that we're talking about this morning, the kind of love that the apostle John is writing in his letter, the kind of love that God has for us is not an I love switchfoot kind of love. If we have the kind of love that we do for tacos as we do for our spouse, for our friends, for our loved ones, like we're in big trouble. That's not the kind of love that God has for us, and that's not the kind of love that the Apostle John is writing about in his letter. What we're talking about this morning is what's called agape love. And what agape love is, it is completely unconditional love. It is unfavored, unreserved love that God has for us, which means that whatever we do, that God still loves us. It doesn't matter what we've done. Regardless of what we do, he still loves us. And that can be hard for us to understand. And that's why John, in his letter, writes about this so that we can better understand what this means and what this looks like. If you look back at verse 9 through 10, look at what it says. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love is what the Apostle John says. This is real love. This is real love. i going to invite the band up at this time. We're going to sing. We're not going to sing that song. Oh, I love that song. That's another song for you to, to look. So, okay, I'm getting off track here. What this means is this has nothing to do with us. This has everything to do with God, because God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins, to die for our mess, to die for our mistake, when we should have been required to pay that price and to pay that penalty. That is what unconditional love is. So, And I don't know what you did last night. I don't know how you treated your kids. I don't know how you treated your family this last Thursday when you all gathered for Thanksgiving or you gathered with your friends or you gathered virtually. I don't know what you said. I don't know what you said in conversations about politics or anything that got heated. I don't know if you're cheating on your online classes that you're having to take. I don't know if you're looking at porn. I don't know if you've cheated on your spouse. But God still loves you unconditionally. The, the love that God has for us endures and lasts through anything and everything. And that can be hard for us to understand because as, as children, we're kind of conditioned to think that our love is conditional that we have for other people and that other people have for us. It's based on the clothes that we wear, the way that we perform in class, the way that we perform on the team, the way that we perform in our job. And we can think that the more that we do to get ahead, that the more that we will be liked, the more that we will be accepted, and more importantly, the more that we will be loved. And we can then project that onto God and think that that's the way that God's love works for us and the way that our love works for God. Many world religions Focus on this idea that the more that you do and the more that you, that you do to earn God's love and favor, the more love that God will give you, which, spoiler alert, that is not how the love of God works. Regardless of what we do, God loves us. Without condition, without reserve, God loves us. There was a phrase that I heard in college that I've never forgotten, and it was this. There's nothing that we can do To make God love us more or to make God love us less? There's nothing that we can do to make God love us more or less. That is the kind of love that God has for us. It is completely unconditional. And the Apostle John is talking about in his letter how that is the kind of love that we are capable of showing. And if there has ever been a time when the world needs to see the church and followers of Jesus endure in love, it's now. So what does that look like for for us to love in a way that endures? For us to love in a way that lasts? Because I want my love that I have for God, that I have for people, I want that to endure. And I want that to be able to be said of me. And my prayer is that you do too. And so if you're with me, we're going to look at how we're able to endure in love at verse 16. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. So the first thing that we start with when it comes to how we endure in love is we start with God. And here's what I want you to write down so that we remember this. Write it down on the message notes. Type it into your phone. Here's what I want you to write down. I endure in love by recognizing that God loves me. I endure in love. By recognizing that God loves me. We know how much God loves us. How do we know that? Because earlier on, the Apostle John writes how we have God sent his son Jesus to die for us. That is how we know that God loves us. And he encourages us to live <clears throat> in God. Because if we're living in God, we're living in love. To live in God. So my question for you is, what are you living in? And as I ask that, I can hear my 11-year-old go, my house, which I'm not talking about the structure that you live in, which I would respond to my 11-year-old and say, actually, it's my house. But that's not what we're talking about, okay? I'm not talking about the, the house or the structure that you live in. What I'm talking about when I ask that question, what are you living in? Because whatever you're living in is living in you. So what is it? Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it frustration? Is it hate? Is it resentment? Is it anxiety? Is it the unquenchable desire to say anything and everything? Specifically when it comes to social media, like, I've got to post this. I've got to reshare this. They've got to know. They've got to hear. I've got to tell them. I've got to be right. Like, what an exhausting way to live. Don't live in that. Any of the above. Don't live in that. I'm telling you right now, If you live in anything other than the love of God, you will not endure. Why? Because you will not know God. That's what the Apostle John says in his letter. If we live in anything other than the love of God, we will not know God. Because God is love. And those who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So don't live in that. So I endure in love by recognizing that God loves me. That's the first way that we endure. And here's the second one. When we look back at verse 16, what does it say? It says, we know how much God loves us. We have put our trust in his love. We have put our trust in his love. So we recognize that God loves us. And the second way that we endure in love is this. And I want you to write this down. I endure in love by loving God. I endure in love by loving God. So God loves us, we love God. Great, done deal. I love God, God loves me, perfect. Let's go home and let's go to heaven. When I was a, a uh, when I was younger, my sister and I, she's younger than I am, we're seven years apart, and when, when she was younger, one of her favorite shows to watch that I would watch with her was Barney. And for those of you who know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't, it was a TV show of this stuffed animal dinosaur that would come to life and dance and sing, and, and it was just terrible. And they sang a song at the end of the show that uh, that I'm sure some of you have heard of, because the dinosaur would kind of pull everybody close. And I always remember thinking, even before the pandemic, I'm like, dude, you are extinct and like way too close. And every episode, he would just bring everybody in and then they would sing this song. And here's how the song goes. I love you, you love me. Some of you are just cringing. We're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? And my response to that every time was... I have a family, and it consists of more than you and me, okay? And I don't need a kiss from a dinosaur. Like, just back off. And here was the problem with that show, among many, was that the song was only about you and the dinosaur. Like, it wasn't about the whole crew. And I think this is where we need to be careful, because we can receive God's love, and we can love God in return. We can get that right, and by getting that right, we can get everything wrong. We can get everything wrong because we can think that that's where it stops. That God loves me, I love God, done deal, let's go to heaven. But look back at verse 11, look at what it says. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. And if you jump down to verse 19, it says we love each other because He loved us first. God loves us, we love God, but it can't stop there. Our response is, needs to be that we love other people. And here's here's what's really interesting. If that is not our response, if our response in receiving God's love and loving God, if it's not to love other people, John calls us a liar. Because John says that if we can't love people we can see, then we can't love God whom we can't see. This call to love others, it doesn't exclude anybody. It is a love others period kind of love. It's 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 anybody. It's everybody. And a question I have for you is how are you doing with loving other people? Like when you think back through this last week, whatever Thanksgiving looked like for you. Maybe you're thinking, I I blew it. We talked about sports or we talked about politics and it got heated. And not only did I give them my opinion and a piece of my mind, but I gave them a piece of my homemade roll to the face. Like, where was this message last week to prep us for that? Like, that that could have been really helpful. When it comes to loving other people, how are you doing? With the social unrest, the racial injustice, the rioting, the violence, the, the pandemic and just the fatigue of that because it just continues to go on. Masks, no masks. How are you doing with loving other people? Because that is the call of our lives as followers of Jesus for our love to to not stop with just loving God, but to love other people. And here's the last way that we endure. and, And to help us remember this, again, I want you to write this down. Here's what it is I endure in love by loving others. I endure in love by loving others. John says here that it's the way that we love other people that expresses to people what the love of God is all about. Like, think about that for just a second. The God of the universe hangs everything on the way that you and I respond in love to other people. So what does that mean? It means that every day matters. But maybe you're like, but I've already messed up today. Like, the ride into church with our family was insane. You wouldn't believe some of the things that I said or the way that I acted or that... Oh, a look of disgust that I gave my family. I, I get that. But here's what's great. The grace of God is new every morning. What does that mean? Every day matters and every person matters. And it's our responsibility to love them. And again, we like to think that this excludes certain people. And if it does, then we're doing it wrong. Love endures. Love does not falter. We can get mad and we can get bitter and we can get hurt and we can get resentful. We can be so angry at the way that we have been treated. But love says to push through that. Love says to endure. And we need to remember that God has chosen us to express what his love looks like to his people. He's chosen us. So what does that mean? It means that we are the response team. There's nobody else coming. Like we are it. It is up to us to express and to show people what the love of God looks like. And if we don't, the world is going to miss it. So much hangs on the way that God loves us, on the way that we love God, and the way that we love other people. And here's what Jesus did not say. Jesus did not say, you know, I, I'm gonna wait and and this whole cross you know thing I'm gonna wait and die for everybody's forgiveness of their sins and, and when, when there's a line of people in front of me asking me to forgive them'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait you know like my fourth grade teacher, I'll, I'll wait. Jesus did not say that. He, he chose to die first before we asked for forgiveness. and when he's dying and hanging on the cross, what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them. He's always thinking about us. But here's what we say. We we cross our arms and we say, you know what? You don't know what they did. You don't know how they hurt me or my family. You don't know what they did in my workplace. You don't know how they cheated off of me in class and I got blamed for it. You don't know how they tried to brown nose the coach so that they would get more playing time than I. You don't know what they did. And you're right, I don't. And we can respond and say, I will forgive them when they ask me to. Or I will apologize when they've apologized first. But look back at verse 17. Verse 17 says this, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. We've got to live like Jesus And a phrase that I would add to that is we've got to love like Jesus. That means that we don't withhold our love. That means that we don't wait until they apologize or that they ask for forgiveness. We apologize. We forgive. Before they've taken that step, we take it first. Why? Because as followers of Jesus, we're to receive God's love, we're to love God, and we're to love other people. It's not a pick and choose kind of thing. It's either all three or it's none of them. It's all three or it's none of them. We endure by recognizing that God loves us. We endure by loving God. And we endure by loving others. We've got to love like Jesus. We've got to love like Jesus. The world needs that, church. The world needs that. Love like Jesus. Core Church, I love you all. I miss you. And let me uh, let me pray for us, God. Thank you for this time that we've had. This letter that John wrote is just so challenging, especially with just the time that we're living in. We've got to love other people that excludes no one. God, my prayer is that you give us eyes to see, you give us ears to hear, and that you give us courage to love in a way that is unconditional. We're able to do that because you're able to do that. Because you live in us, we're able to love unconditionally. So I pray you give us the courage to do that as we endure in love. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, Core Church.